you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host. Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from the ChrisVossShow.com. The ChrisVossShow.com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks for uh, joining us at another podcast on the Chris Voss Show. Be sure to further show your friends, neighbors, relatives, dogs, cats, mistresses, pool boys. Get them all <laughs> listening to the show. They can go to thecvpn.com or ChrisVossPodcast.com. Com. We've got a most excellent author on the show. He's a multi-talented, multi-faceted, multimedia talent, and we're going to be talking to him about his newest book, Black Coral, Andrew Maine. But first, if you want to see him on video, you can go to the video version of our podcast at youtube.com forward slash Chris Foss. Hit the bell notification button. You go to goodreads.com forward slash Chris Foss. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash the Chris Foss show. And there's four or five groups over there for our books. You can also go to LinkedIn as well. And also Instagram at Chris Foss and the Chris Foss show. And we'll be broadcasting live, taking your questions on the new clubhouse app. So you get to hear Andrew live and ask him questions. Just send them to my Instagram. If you are listening in currently today, we have Andrew Maine on the show. His new book as mentioned before black coral a thriller he is an edgar nominated author thriller award finalist star of shark week and annie's televisions don't trust andrew main he is an author of more than a dozen thrillers works of science fiction and books on writing his novel the naturalist was an amazon charts bestseller and spent weeks as the number one book on amazon his new underwater investigation series published by thomas and mercer includes the girl beneath the sea and black coral and features a police diver in south florida Ooh, sounds like a thriller andrew welcome to the show how are you sir I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you for having me. Awesome sauce. It's wonderful to have you on. And uh, man, you've written a whole lot of books. You've been on TV for a lot of different things. You're a magician. You're like, is there anything you don't do, Andrew? I mean, I don't have any real skill. Like everything I do, whether it's magic or writing, it's like kind of BS. It's like fake it kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So that's the thing. Like real talent, don't have it. But if it's like, hey, let me let me improvise and make something up there, I'm good. I have a weird feeling people would argue that you have some talent or some good talent. <laughs> oh stop stop uh let me hold up the book although there'll be a, a thing in the queue here uh, looks like a foil that looks awesome almost the way like, that's yeah it looks like it's got that foil thing this is the special yeah. press edition i think that they've sent out you've published this book black coral and it's a thriller give us your plugs where people can find you on the interwebs get to know you much better so my books, Amazon's easiest place to find it, to find me, andrewmain.com. That's M-A-Y-N-E. I'm very active on Twitter, at Andrew Main, and I love to talk about writing and creativity with people. So uh, fairly, I mean, if I don't respond, it's because I'm like in the middle of a book deadline. But other than that, I love <laughs> just talking about creativity. There you go. So your newest book, Black Cold, has come out. What motivated you want to write another book? I love interesting characters. I love talking and talk. Uh, I love stories about people who have different ways of looking at the world. 
And Black Coral is the second book in the series, but it's it's standalone. You can just jump in there. And it's about a woman named Sloan McPherson, who's a police diver in South Florida. And police divers are a very interesting breed. These are people that you send into water to go recover things, guns, drugs, people, whatever. And in South Florida, some of these waterways are kind of sketchy, and you never know what you're going to find in there or in canals or lakes other other vehicles, other things there. And Sloan, we first meet her in the book before, The Girl Beneath the Sea, where she's studying underwater archaeology as well as working part-time as a police recovery diver. And she gets pulled into a bigger case and realizes she has a passion for law enforcement. In this book, we see her developing her skills as a detective and she gets presented with a cold case, which is actually based on a real cold case in South Florida where four teenagers went missing after going to a rock concert, never to be seen again, and presumed to have run away. Years later, they pulled a van from a canal and found their bodies inside of there. And so I took that premise and decided to take it down a different pathway and where people thought, ah, it was an accident. She suspects maybe something else was there, and it Mm -hmm. ends up being a longtime serial killer operating in the South Florida area. So there could be foul play. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, definitely foul play. <laughs> By the way, it's so, a very short book. It's just a transportation bureau investigation. Yep, we need to there, put guardrails in. All right, done. Yeah, done. Then there you go. The end. You just what was that movie? Get shorty. You just put it like a period at the end and say, yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. Uh, <laughs> I always love that line from Get Shorty. What made you want to write a female in this series? I just like to write interesting people and whatever's going to work best sort of fits. And I think that when, when you talk to women in law enforcement, it's very interesting because, you know, law enforcement is still very male dominated and it, and it has its own issues with that. And writing a female character, you add in a new layer of complication because she's got to navigate through that. And that was sort of a fun, sort of interesting thing to sort of add into like, how can I make my character's life even more difficult? Oh, let's put them into an environment where it's not going to be as readily acceptable. She's going to have to deal with these sort of challenges. Yeah, I mean diving and finding stuff, and and then you got you got sharks and everything too. Was mm-hmm. was was your experience of being on Shark Week as a host? Was that did that play into wanting to go into this sort of environment? Well, so it's funny is that I wrote the first book, Girl Beneath the Sea, and that rekindled my interest in scuba diving and the ocean. And I had been talking to somebody about this idea I had about trying to fool a great white shark because of my backgrounds in magic. I did magic for years and, and created magic for people like Penn and Teller, et cetera. And I, also, I had this love of just how the brain works. And I thought, what would be really cool to fool would be like a great white shark because they have an incredible number of senses. They're actually very smart. They've been around here longer than we have. And so I finished that book and I just getting back into diving and I mentioned, like, yeah, I think I have this idea for how I could fool a great white shark. And it's a week later, I'm on the phone of the head of Shark Week explaining how I'm willing to go underwater in South Australia and be surrounded by great white sharks in the Isle of Jaws to test out my theory, which I did. So careful what you say, kids. <laughs> I think it would be cool to do this. And then the next thing you know, that happened, which was an amazing experience by itself. Yeah. So they, they basically, I'm like, they fed you to the sharks. They're like, yeah, he, he wants to go. He's clearly sure. expendable. So. <laughs> we got an idiot on the line. <laughs> All right, get him a special. So without giving too much away, what are some of the other aspects or plot uh, twists or or not really plot twists, but you know, whatever you want to discuss about the book that, that are features of her journey in solving this mystery? So I like to incorporate a lot of things about South Florida and Florida in general. Florida is amazing. Florida's got this deep history 
There's a lot of layers to it, and there's a lot of interesting places. You have the Everglades, the Sea of Grass, which is incredible, but you know, you've had people who've been living there for a considerable part of our history, and it's this on one surface, you look at it, ah, it's just a bunch of you know grass, but then you realize there's an entire ecosystem. There's other things going on out there. There's also alligators. I love alligators. When I was a kid growing up in Fort Lauderdale, we would go driving on our little boats. We'd go kneeboarding, whatnot. We'd see alligators. You didn't, the first time you see one, you're like, oh, gee, and then you get used to them. But then we forget how many alligators and how present they are in Florida and the fact that they have their own sort of environments and trains. And I love alligators and alligators are absolutely you know, big part of our ecosystem and super important. And I wanted to sort of talk about, that. but also they can be scary. And particularly if you're a police diver and you're by yourself and you're going into some very sketchy places, alligators can be a little bit disconcerting. Yeah. That reminds me of Billy Madison with the, what's his face? The guy <laughs> who played in Star Wars <laughs> his head. Uh, so yeah. It can go bad for you when yeah. it comes down to it. Are there real life underwater investigation units and how did you do your research for the book? There's not, not that I'm aware of. There are, you'll have units, the FBI will have a, like a dive recovery team will have teams that do this, but police departments will have either sometimes people trained in the department or they'll hire contractors to do that. And sometimes when you have big instances, you bring in a lot of people. We had a horrific air crash in the Everglades years ago in Florida. You had a number of dive teams there working there and, and very reading about the conditions those people worked in. It's just insane. So you have that from time to time. And then obviously in the military and the Navy, you have specially trained people that have to deal with like, how do you protect your harbors? How do you deal with things if you find suspicious things and dealing with that? So I kind of pulled from a bit from there to kind of create the idea of this unit. What's funny is I watch those YouTube videos and I think there's some guys that they're just amateur divers and they, they dive just to find stuff. And every now and then they'll find like a gun or a body mm -hmm. or, you know, a suitcase and shit. And then the cops are showing up going, why are you down here? And they're like, we're just, <laughs> we're just trying to find stuff. We weren't, we weren't, we were hiding a body, but I don't think I want to be that guy. And I don't want to know that I'd be swimming with uh, a dead body. I don't know. Well, Maybe that's uh yeah, in the middle of writing this book, there was a case came up where literally in the middle, like middle, like halfway through here, and somebody was on Google Photos looking through photos of South Florida, and they noticed a suspicious rectangle in a lake in the middle of this oh, community. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it looks like a car. Make some calls. Next thing, please show up. There's a car, and there was a dude in it no longer a living, who was like some elderly dude in a storm or something who had driven in there and had been missing. Nobody knew what happened to him. And they kind of floored us and think like, maybe he drove in a canal. But he was in the people's backyard, just right out. It was like maybe 10 feet out. And who knows what else is out there? Yeah, I, I, it wasn't that like from, he'd been there since the 90s or something, I think. Maybe, or the I don't, yeah, it was like wild. a and long he, time. And you look at Google Maps, it's, like, oh, it's right there. Yeah, but. yeah. Note to self, move those bodies that I put in South <laughs> Florida. All right. Yeah. Uh, so with your uh, female character, did you model her after anyone in real life? Yeah, I have some friends. Like I always kind of borrow examples of people. And in Florida, we get, there's like a, a type of woman that we get in Florida that's pretty amazing because they're, they're comfortable going out fishing, filleting a fish, scuba diving, whatever, then putting on a nice dress and going out that are very outdoorsy, but also elegant. And I wanted to sort of capture that sort of side of things. 
Mm -hmm. I think that's attractive. There's something about people who have a lot of dimension are interesting. And so I have friends that are like that and didn't tell them, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm stealing you to use you in a book. Ah, ah. So is it a compilation of people then? Couple, yeah, a couple people there. like I, I, that have the sense of humor and whatnot. It's just the easiest to write that way. It's just to yeah. say, I'm going to take you and you and merge you together. Anytime I see a woman who fishes, catches the fish and cleans it, I'm just like, whoa. whoa. Oh, my girlfriend <laughs> loves fishing. Serious? Loves fishing. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I grew up. I grew up around it all the time. My dad's a super avid fisherman. So to me, it's kind of like, eh, whatever, but she, yeah. she loves it. So That's awesome. That's awesome. Because usually it's, oh, they're wearing the hook and whatever. But it's great that they don't like that. You're a professional illusionist. How does creating and performing illusions influence your storytelling and writing in your books? I think a, a good... And I, you know, I learned a lot by kind of observing. And so when I was a kid, I was a fan of Penn and Teller and David Copperfield. And years later, I got to work with both of them and understand sort of like, or try to understand their approach towards storytelling. A really good magic effect is there is a conflict that gets resolved through magic. And then the resolution should feel obvious after the fact, not obvious how it was done, but obvious that this makes the most sense that this is the perfect solution to that. And that's the same with storytelling. If you read a really good book and you get to the ending, a satisfying ending is something that fits. You may not have known the shape of what was going to fit there, but a good ending fits in there. Mm -hmm. And that's been sort of thing I've tried to wrestle with a long time is like adapting. How do you do one and do the other? But it wasn't easy for me. I, I started writing 10 years ago. Like I didn't, I never wrote a novel prior to 10 years ago. I couldn't write more than 20,000 words. Mm -hmm. And then I had to sort of rethink what I thought about storytelling and what my goals were. And then once I did that, things sort of clicked. There you go. I've restarted us a room here on Clubhouse. And those of you who joined the room, we we're talking with Andrew Main. He is the Edgar nominated author, Thriller Award finalist, star of Shark Week, and A&E's Don't Trust Andrew Main. If you guys do have questions, send them to me on Instagram in writing, and we'll probably answer them here as we go through the show and everything else. Let's see, what other challenges did you face writing a police procedural series that focused on crimes occurring in the water? So even though I'm a diver and even though I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trained and like rebreather and all these things, it's easy in the moment to just sort of gloss over a detail. Like I'll talk about oxygen tanks and they're air tanks. And, and then you'll get people who are like, I'll point out to you. And it's like, all right, like, <laughs> let me, let me refer you to my work where I'm like a hundred feet underwater breathing and, and, and you know, get some, and it's, and it's fine. And it means people are paying attention, but I, you got to pay attention to details and sometimes other thing, but you just sort of, gloss by and you have to go back through like i wrote a thriller set in space once and i'm going back through a chapter checking it and i have a person drifting into a space into a capsule in the space station and i wrote he sits down and i'm like don't sit down and i'm like i know this but i when i wrote it it was just <laughs> i'm trying to get to this person there and you know, i went back and fixed it and got rid of try to get of every detail i could and later on i got like you know a nice letter from an astronaut who said it was very realistic and mm. when you write a book like this trying to get those details right and even, even there are things, but when you're writing it, you're trying to get to the next thing you forget. So that's critical. There you go. There you go. Now you've, you do magic and you've got a devoted and massive following on social media who call themselves the maniacs. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was when I, I used to write <laughs> and publish books for magicians and do how to stuff. So I had 
a lot of fans that were like equally disturbed individuals like myself who liked that. And so that started because one day I got an email from a kid like, oh, I'm a maniac. And I'm like, oh, that's that a thing. And then it became a thing for. Uh, that's like, pretty awesome. I mean, it's a great, it's a great choice of words based upon your name. I mean, beats uh, Vossiox. Oh, that sounds cool. That's sounds sophisticated. I'd buy really. that vodka. That's like, <laughs> that's like some top shelf stuff, by the way. Like, <laughs> I don't know. The way I used to drink, it's probably bottom shelf. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some other aspects of, of the book that people should know? We're talking about Black Coral, for those of you who are joining us. I like to... I have to, when you write a thriller novel and not a horror novel, you have to sort of kind of walk a delicate balance. But I think that I kind of got into, I've had the reactions from some people early on have been, there's some stuff that was terrifying to them, which I feel, sorry, (laughs) not (laughs) Um, cool. And I have another novel coming out where I had my, my publishers like, we need to tone some of this down because we're going to get, we're going to get angry. And it's not, I'm like, well, this if I was like in horror, this would be cool in here, but it's, these are, these are ladies who like to knit. So you have to find that balance, but I'd say there's some, I like to write really cool thriller and create these situations where you're like, oh, geez. Cause I think like what terrifies me and I have a habit though, like sharks terrify me. Sharks terrify me. I'm scared of like great whites, whatever I watch. I'd watch shark week and I go, I'm never going to go on the water again. And then a week later, I'd be in the middle of a night dive, surrounded by who knows what. And then years later, literally on Shark Week. And it's, how does this happen? It's, well, my curiosity, my stubbornness. Well, it's a, it's a great way to learn, too, as well. Is there a protagonist in the book? Is there an evil genius or somebody who's after her? Or is it mostly about solving the crime? Well, there's, there is probably an antagonist in there, not, not necessarily a genius level person, you know, but somebody who has been clever and knows how to sort of do what they've been doing for a long time and one of the things that happens in in and i I write i have a series called the naturalist where i have a character who's a computational biologist who hunts serial killers and his adversaries tend to be kind of intelligent very capable people and these books you kind of look at like for the sloan mcpherson books i look more towards a lot of real cases and people who are how do you how do you get people who stay under the radar for so long? And part of it, like, where does the anonymity come from? And you had cases like the Grim Seeper in Los Angeles. This was a guy who was an extremely prolific serial killer who in the middle of, you know, everything else going on in the world, nobody was paying attention to because his victims were people who were kind of, we lost through the margins, women who had to work the street, people, with drug addiction problems, people that we casually dismissed. And, and it's, you know, I deal with that in one of my other books too, because, and that's what I, it's interesting to me is like, there are people like that. There are predators out there like that, that you're not even aware of it because they just don't fit the pattern that we kind of think from TV and film. Note to self, don't fill any patterns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's like the, you know, the difference between like, you have a, like a spreak, a frenzy killer, a person who just in the, you know, in the moment kills versus somebody who's more calculated. Yeah. And you could take like Ted Bundy was more of a frenzy, but he was smart and he would just knew to get, get up and move. He tried not to stay in the same place. You get some people more calculated and they just operate in one area and they know, well, if I put the bodies over here, eh, nobody will know. (laughs) So this is the second book in the series. Mm -hmm. Do you see further books in the series? Uh, Is there more planned or anything cooking? Writing the third one right now, writing the third one right now. So there you go. So you've got to read this one, get a hold of it, read it quick. 
so you can so you can find out what's coming next. Now, I, I, you may have mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but are this are the books made where if you haven't read the first one, you can jump right into the second you one? You can totally jump in at any point. Like I, I'd always try to make my books standalone. I'll give you a little bit of a backfill on what you need to know to be, get into it, and then people generally, I have people tell me, I read this one, and I jumped into that one. I loved it. It was like reading a prequel, and it's, I try to make each That's one awesome. steal. You know, and it's, I have a book coming out at the end of this year called Mastermind, which is I'm taking two different characters, two characters from two different series and bringing them together. And I know some people have read one series, some people have read the other series, and then I'm starting this new series of the two together. And so that's fun to try to figure out, like, how do I make this work without assuming I can't do a Marvel Comics previously in issue 82? <laughs> there you go. So uh, do you, are you going to continue doing work with Shark Week? I don't know. I mean, if there's something else clever that I can come up with, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, my last conversation was the discovery was they asked me, like, how do you feel about crocodiles? I'm like, as in, in theory, great. In me and crocodiles, <laughs> not so much. I mean, that's that that was so I was. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I never I never could. I, I always loved who was the Australian guy? who was always like Steve Irwin uh, yeah. and he, he was, was always wonderful. so fun and so great. And, and then tragedy happened and I see his family, they're, they're doing their own things. In fact, I saw somewhere scrolling through a TikTok or something. I saw one where a snake is about killing the, his, his yeah. I'm like, Oh my God. Wow. This isn't, this isn't, maybe you guys should just go into counting after this. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that would be good for you guys, but it's pretty cool. Anything more you want to touch on the book and uh, give uh, potential readers a, a chance to want to grab that thing? Yeah, I think if you want a fun, interesting thriller and a cool character, she's funny. She's very an entertaining person. My books, people tend to sort of just go read through them pretty fast because I try to make these tight sort of thrillers. And it's an audio audio form too. It's audible too. So it's available in kind of multiple formats. And, you know, give it a shot. If you like it, if you like it, here's the thing I'll tell you. If you like it, Good news, you'll probably like most everything else I've written, and I've got several series and several characters out there, and people kind of discover the sort of universe of characters and enjoy it. So between my Theo Craig, my Jessica Blackwood books, and now this, there's a lot of lot of books out there that are fun reads. Your story that I'd heard and research on you was pretty extraordinary as to how you started book writing. Do you want to give us the background on that? I, I mean, the... I don't know which version. It was the one where you would self-publish on Amazon. So. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that, that I, I thought about becoming a writer for him. And everybody, I mean, everybody has the potential to write. And I had been in the middle of, I'd been doing TV pilots that had never made it to air. I did a pilot for MTV. It was a fun show. Never made it to series. I did a show for like Cartoon Network. Never made it. I'd been spent several years having done these TV pilots nothing to show and people like and all all of them were like secret and what have you been up to i'm like nothing for the last several years and i've been on sets and shooting this cool stuff but and because i never i never i didn't like to talk about stuff that never aired and i was thinking i was had was at south by southwest and i you know went to go see some friends do a show there and i was sitting in the airport on my way back and i'm like i wish i had something to show people i wish that there was something to show and i thought i writing came up because I was reading the New York Times article at the time about the success of the Kindle and the platform that Amazon had called Kindle Digital Publishing, which was this way in which anybody could write an ebook, publish it on their platform and have an audience. I said, this is really cool. Like, I don't need to go to a publisher. I just write a book, make proofread it. 
hopefully get a nice cover and put it out there. And if people like my book, then I just write more books. And it's a great way to see if I want to be a writer. I, I don't like, I think gatekeepers can perform a very valuable function, but the problem with gatekeeping is that they are gatekeeping a gate and sometimes things should go through there. Sometimes things don't. The story is about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the Philosopher's Stone, reportedly that was rejected 40 times, 40 times. <laughs> oh there, there are 40 people who probably still have jobs in the publishing industry who said no to the most successful <laughs> publishing children's franchise in history. Yeah. Now to their, to their, you know, to their point though, it'd be like some publishers that would never have been the success it would have been. And there's a fit to a publisher, but I'm still like, 40 publishers, 40 people are like, nah, and like, and, uh, we're going to do something about a mouse that likes to eat mayonnaise. And, and so nobody knows anything. I mean, I think you can know stuff, but I would say that many people who drive stuff, a lot of things, and I see this in Hollywood where I work in entertainment. And I see this in a lot of sides of stuff is often people like they, they look at their successes and go, oh, I must know something's wrong, but they forget they got 10 times up at bat. And so I said this, said to myself, like, why don't I write? So I self-published first a novella and the reaction was good. People liked it. So then I sat down in 10 days, I wrote a novel and had some, you know, crowdsourced some people to help me edit this thing. It was called Public Enemy Zero. And I put that out there and that just started climbing the charts. It started doing extremely well. And then that led me to get my first movie deal, my first agent and publishers started being interested in me, but it wasn't until a year later, I wrote another book called Angel Killer that that exploded that put me on the top 10 best-selling authors on amazon to indie authors and just that was my early momentum all came through self-publishing now i work with thompson mercer which is owned by amazon publishing and that's oh, wow. been a wonderful experience that's awesome so you stuck with it now we just have to build you a harry potter style theme park for your characters and <laughs> i and, uh, i can merch. see i live in i live in Burbank. Oh, i can go into my block i can actually see hogwarts from isn't that, isn't that crazy, man? So, such a great story, too. I, 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 I'm I, lucky enough. I don't know if it's luck is the word, right word for it. But one of my first business, my first big business that we turned in, we, we submitted. You had to submit it back in those days to an authoritarian. Authoritarian? What the fuck? Authority for tariffs and stuff. And so they, they, they took a look at our thing and they wrote me this letter that was just really cynical. And this is the worst application we've ever seen for a business. There's no way this business model will work. I mean, just really a rough letter. And so I went in and sat down with them and explained what I was doing and building a company, Sweat Equity. And we built a multimillionaire company that lasted for nearly 15 years. <laughs> yeah, that's just it. It's that people, sometimes people have to say, like a publisher, if you're a publisher, the challenge you have is uh, you, get, you get 500 people who have books and you only have 10 slots. You yeah. only have so much opportunity. If you're a person doing bank loans or doing other stuff like this, we try to look for the thing that fits the pattern we're familiar with. Even if it's an imperfect pattern, even if that pattern doesn't work, we're like, well, it works well enough. But we don't spend enough time like being skeptical or trying to do counterpoint or contrarian thinking to figure out, is this really the right approach? Mm -hmm. The and what's cool is I have I have it framed. I keep that thing everywhere. So there you go. It's like Fred Smith oh. and FedEx. You yeah, know, that was yeah, like the, yeah. That's stories. The and Hollywood does the same thing too. Like you see, usually the movies that win the Oscars, the Academy Awards, or these kind of independent filmmakers or people that are kind of outside the fringes. Meanwhile, everyone at at, at any production studio is like, we should do Iron Eagle twenty. We really should. 
because uh, Iron Eagle 20 needs to come out. So, Dan, if Lou Gossett Jr. is available, I say yes. I, any uh, movie with him in it. There you go. So you do know, you see – I'm sorry, oh, please, go ahead. Please. I was going to ask you, do you see any characters uh, playing this in Hollywood? Any potential for – I mean, there's potential for it going. I think you've had other movies optioned or, or sent to Hollywood, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, I don't – yeah, the – it's dangerous to sort of say, oh, I see so-and-so because literally I had somebody come to me who was attached to someone who said, oh, we see so-and-so for this. And so you then you don't want to be out there. I like this person. Have that oh, actor find out that you're like, <laughs> I don't think he wants me for it. And so it, this town, I mean, I remember once, like I, I'm not a negative person. And like on Twitter, like I only think I like criticize like one movie like ever. And then one day I'm in a meeting with that person who directed that. And oh. huh. I got to rethink my strategy on, you know, what I say about things. I remember one time we had, uh, I used to own a model and talent agency in Utah. And we had, uh, I think it was Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas's son, Sean Douglas had come up and he'd been in Iron Eagle four or five. And he used to do stand up, just bashing the directors and stuff. And I'm like, I don't think that's going to help you in Hollywood at all. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had a, I had a thing like, I, like I did a series and I get, it did one season and yeah. people are like, oh, those executives, they don't know what they're doing. I'm like, how do you know they didn't know what they're doing when they gave me the series? <laughs> it, it works both ways. I can't say they were genius when it worked my way and they were dumb when it didn't. Like, I mean, yeah. so. There you go. Just for the, this just in, folks, Chris Voss will not be in Iron Eagle 20 based upon criticism of the Iron Eagle series. <laughs> there you go. What, what's your future for your, in your magician illusionist stuff that you're going to be doing? I don't know. I've been really involved in artificial intelligence lately. That's I work with a company called OpenAI, which develops GPT-3, this really incredible language model. So I've been spending a lot of time doing that and working and exploring the capabilities of that because it's a very interesting area. So kind of between that and the writing, it's not a lot of time left over. Who's the CEO of OpenAI? I think Sam Altman. Yeah, I think you, Sam. We've had him on the show from CES. I think so. That name sounds really familiar. I'm visual, so I'd have to go look it up. But yeah, we, we go to CES, we do the shows, we do live interviews at the booths there and stuff like that. And I swear to God, we've had that on the Chris Voss show. So do the maniacs love your books then? Are they big readers of the books or do they stick with your just your magic work and stuff? You get carryover. It's, it's interesting to see that sometimes people just like what you do and you can see them, they'll go from a TV show to a book to something else. And, and then you find it, you meet new people along the way. And I, I literally sent out an email this morning about, Hey, I got a new book out. And somebody who had been performing one of the tricks I created had said, Hey, I have a question about this trick, by the way. <laughs> and it's something like, you know, like 10 years ago. And it's funny. And I'm like, Oh yeah, here. And so it's, you kind of just build people. And I'm sure you've seen the same thing. It's like, you, know, you have an audience of people that know you over, over the evolution as we sort of from the years of the different things you've done. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting how it works out. So as we go out uh, on your new book here, Andrew, anything you want to plug or anything you want to uh, throw at us in the last part of the of the interview here? If you want to check out, like we said, my website's andrewmain.com, M-A-Y-N-E. I have an email uh, newsletter. I just signed up for Substack. You can do that. So uh, I talk you know, very infrequently. So don't worry. And then I'm on Twitter at Andrew Main. I'm pretty active on Twitter. If you have questions, want to talk about creativity or whatever, just hit me at a at reply me and I'd love to talk to you. 
There you go, guys. Check out the new book by Andrew Main, Black Coral, a thriller. You can take and order it from, from your local booksellers, or you can go to Amazon or wherever your good books are sold. Support your local bookseller, too, if you can. That's always a good thing to do. Thanks, to Andrew, for being on our show with us Thank today. You. Thank you for spending some time, sir. Thank you. And, and in fact, what you should do is help Andrew out. Since he's a magician, you should help his books disappear off the shelf, if you will. <laughs> Order one up today. Go to YouTube.com to see the video version of this interview at YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Go to Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Go to Facebook.com, Fortress Through Chris Foss Show, LinkedIn as well, and Instagram. And, of course, you can follow us on Clubhouse. Thanks, Manus, for tuning in. Wear your masks, stay safe, be good to each other, and we'll see you guys next time.